Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. This episode is brought to us by Mike the Strongman. Are you tired of getting your training and nutrition advice from someone with only a weekend certification? Then perhaps it's time to turn to someone with over 15 years of research-based experience. Mike the Strongman can help you with all your training and nutrition needs. Mike has a proven track record of getting results with his clients. Visit MikeTheStrongMan.com for more information or email Mike at MikeTheStrongMan at gmail.com if you're ready to take your performance to the next level. This episode is also brought to us by the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. The Healthiest You Chiropractic Center in Strongsville, Ohio is dedicated to giving their patient community the highest level of healthcare. Their doctors have been trained on the newest and most innovative styles of chiropractic and rehabilitative treatments. From back pain to ankle strains, the Healthiest You has remedies for a variety of injuries. Are you looking to perform better in life and activity? Their team takes a wellness-based approach on health rather than only focusing on symptoms such as pain. Call 440-238-3338 or email them at thychiro, that's T-H-Y-C-H-I-R-O, at gmail.com for questions about becoming a patient. Now is a better time than ever to become the healthiest you. And last but not least, this episode is brought to us by CrossFit Strongsville. CrossFit Strongsville is a place where everyday people become heroes every day. Through qualified coaching, challenging yet modifiable exercise programming, and a supportive community unlike any other, members find a way to break through personal barriers physically, mentally, and emotionally. No matter what level you're at, from the very beginner to the elite, You'll find you receive great service from the moment you walk through the door, and we promise it will be one of the best hours of your day. Check out CrossFitStrongsville.com for more information and to sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with the owner, a 12-year veteran of the fitness and therapy fields. Okay, folks, I have a special treat for you today. For the first time on this podcast, we have two guests for you guys. We have back with us our friend David Choma of CrossFit Strongsville and David's future brother-in-law, Luke Weeks. David wanted to have Luke on the podcast because of his interesting story. Luke grew up here in Northeast Ohio, and he was really into music growing up, playing his guitar and writing his own songs. Luke spent a couple of years in South America with his family on missions trips. Luke found himself in a bad place in his life in his early 20s, and Luke knew he wasn't living his purpose. He had to make some tough decisions to get his life back on track, And now he's working on a project that he hopes will change how people see business in the future. We definitely had a great conversation. So sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have a special treat for you guys. We have back with us Mr. David Choma of CrossFit Strongsville. David, how are we doing? Good, good. How are you? Doing well. And we also have with us Mr. Luke Weeks. Luke, how are you doing? Great. Very good. So this is the first time that we've done three people on the podcast, so this should be interesting, but it's going to be fun nonetheless. I'm, so. I'm ready for it. I don't think they're ready for it, but I'm ready for it. <laughs> well, I don't think they really know what to be ready for. But let's <laughs> be honest. <laughs> this, this podcast is pretty random. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. knows. 
Yeah. But uh, real quick, let's get into some background here. Uh, you guys know David because he's been on the podcast before. If you haven't heard that episode, go back, check that one out. I think it's like episode four or five, something like that. Um, but how do you two know each other? Um, well, so uh, Luke here is uh, my future brother-in-law. Um, he is married to the lovely Michelle, who is the sister um, uh, to my fiance, kind of thing, Sarah. And so we've uh, now known each other two years and change and um, you know, actually three years, right? I suppose. I, I'm so bad at keeping I'm so track. Bad at keeping track. <laughs> About two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, we'll say two and a half. Maybe. All the years kind of run together. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, and we, we became friends very quickly. Uh, we share a lot of similar interests, uh, you know, taste in music and, and, you know, similar kind of creative drives for business and, and entrepreneurship and um, definitely definitely so and plus i mean his beard and his hair alone just <laughs> attracted me to the man so um but uh a great dude nonetheless so okay so now do you guys hang out outside of family get-togethers or you just see each other kind of when the families get together because i know you i know you david i know you were super busy and it sounds like you're pretty busy too yes. luke mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we try here and there yeah. it's uh but that's the thing with four four girls uh are in the their family so um, it's almost always family to get togethers if we are hanging but out. But we still end up seeing each other quite a bit. Exactly. So it's all the time. And I and did go on that jog with you guys. That's right. We that did. Was, that was like a fun time. Luke was brave and came for uh, for my birthday. I, we ran about three miles in, in the metro who, park. Who runs three miles on their birthday? It was <laughs> I, I. Not this guy normally. I don't know what happened to me. I, I think I was sick. Um, but just yeah. so you know, that was like the farthest I've ran in probably two years <laughs> collectively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same for me so yeah no so yeah he came out it was uh cold sleety rain and because it, it was in november and we were all wearing you know weight vests and um we called it me. yeah not not Luke, but that's okay <laughs> smart <It's>, man <laughs> yeah he's smart and we just ran through metro parks and just got muddy and wet and you know tough workout but stopped and fun. did push-ups pull-ups mm-hmm. yeah cool so stuff it's kind of like a ruck kind of thing nothing so. wrong with that getting out there and sucking it up in tough weather and mm-hmm. realizing that hey you know sometimes your body can do more than you think it really can because most of us let's be honest we're, we spend our time indoors mm-hmm. whether yeah. in you know offices or cars or gyms or what have you so to be outside in kind of a sleety nasty rain it's kind of a good thing to yeah. do every once in a while. Just, it's yeah. cool to break it up, too, and just do something completely out of the ordinary. Right. It's like, okay, I'm going to go run in the rain today. Yeah. Yeah. today. Can I survive? <laughs> that's like, that's the question. Well, the fun <laughs> thing is you get to really know people when you make them miserable. <laughs> so if you can get them cold and wet, you get to know who they really are mm-hmm. very quick. That's right. very true. Right. <laughs> so I guess the million-dollar question. So there's four girls in the family that you guys are try- you're trying to marry into, David, mm-hmm. and then Luke already did marry into. How many are still left that are single? None. None. Uh oh. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're, so you're the last up. one to marry in. So, yeah. So nobody else gets to be your brother-in-law. Right. Right. What the? It's heck? a pretty. It's a pretty select group of guys too. <laughs> we're, we're all. It's cool. We're we're kind of unique in our own ways. Just obviously like the girls are, and um, but we all get along great. Yeah. We love hanging out, and um, you know, we just we had a jam session a couple what, what a oh, couple yeah. months ago, just hanging that. out playing piano and. Uh, you know, singing some Christian songs together and things like that. So there's just there's cool things. There's ties that bind, but also um, we still, you know, are all four totally different guys who, who get along well. So very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, Luke, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, kind of your background, kind of maybe how you grew up, sports you played, um, activities you got into, that kind of stuff. All right. 
Well, sports were not a big part of my childhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never been a team sports kind of guy. More of an individual sports kind of guy? Yeah. I don't know if they're even called sports, some of the things I like to do, but just like more like rock climbing and okay. um, I guess just being by myself out in nature is my kind of thing as okay. far as Well, normally sports. I classify sports in if, if you can smoke and drink while doing it is not a sport <laughs> rock climbing would definitely be a sport there yeah. i don't know i think i, I, I could I... smoke and drink while i rock climb <laughs> that would be impressive i would love to see that i'm gonna try it i'll report back to you how it goes <laughs> but team sports were never really my thing um um let's see i did play soccer for a couple years i think i had two own goals and that was like the height of my soccer playing. Okay. <laughs> on so on that didn't one. last too long. Was that like in uh, elementary school, junior high, um, high school? Probably junior high. Okay. But I gave it a shot. It wasn't my thing. Um, I was always kind of attracted to music. So growing up, my dad had a guitar and he kind of showed me how to play basic chords and how to like look at a book and read how to learn chords. Okay. And once he like showed me how to read the chord structures i just learned as many as i could and started um looking up just chord sheets online and learning some of my favorite songs okay so got into guitar really quick and what I age just, you think you i were? just loved that um i was about probably 12 years old when okay. i first started playing. you get serious like right away or did you just play around with your dad playing some chords here and there for a couple of years and then you got later like when you were 16 or you got more serious with it then? Or? Yeah, it was never really serious. Just kind of when I was bored, I'd pick up the guitar and okay. start playing. And then probably around age 16 is when I really, like, I think I wrote one song just sitting there. wasn't really trying to, and I ended up writing a song. And I was just, it was like a really funny song, just goofing <laughs> off. But my sisters kept, like, singing it. They're like, like, the next day and the next week, they kept singing it. And I was like, hey, that's my song I wrote. And then everyone, like, I realized that people liked it. And it was, people were like, you're good at writing songs. So I just started writing another song and another. And it just turned into kind of my thing is just being a songwriter. Okay. So that was around, I guess, from age 16 to 18 is when I really realized that I, I love writing songs. And I probably wrote close to 100 songs in those first two years of writing wow it's a lot it's a lot of songs yeah (laughs) just dove into it head first i was it's funny how like structured i was back then because i would like finish a song and like type it out on the computer type out the chords and like print it out and put it in my little book and i don't think i've ever done that since (laughs) (laughs) since i was like really young i hate to say it but most people who are very creative don't become that organized yeah. so that's kind of funny that you did that when you first it's started funny. ever since i started you know yeah like when i started playing in bands i just write a song show the guys and like never even like finish writing it out like i just had like my notes from writing it but i was like when i first started i think it was just since i enjoyed it so much i like really organized it and would show people my book of songs <laughs> <laughs> now did but, you uh perform these songs somewhere did you go and play anywhere um not too much when i first started um, just kind of hanging out with people, jamming. I'd show them the songs. And it wasn't till I think I was around 18 or 19, I started jamming with one of my buddies, and we started a little acoustic band. Nice. My buddy, Corey. And uh, that band was called Relic and Skew. <laughs> so his last name is Keller, and my last name is Weeks. And we 
um, switched the names and put them backwards. <laughs> so <laughs> Relic and Skew backwards. Cool. Keller and Weeks. Yeah. And yeah. that was like my first um, project. And that's, we played some coffee shops and we were the house band for a while at a um, couple little coffee shops and we okay. just play wherever we could. And how often did you guys play? Like a couple times a week or just on the weekends? Um, we played once a week. I think it was every Wednesday at, at Tree Huggers Cafe in Berea. Nice. Okay. So that was like consistent. That was like your go-to spot. Yeah. And then um, we just played open mics where we could. We found little street festivals and stuff, and we just tried to get in wherever we could. And that was that was a great experience, especially for like my first music thing. Just we just got out and played wherever we could. Did you guys just call and ask people questions like, "Hey, can we come in and play? We've got a band. This is kind of music we play. Like, this is how long our set's going to be? Or like, how did that all work when you're setting all this kind of stuff up? I mean, you're uh-huh. 18 years old. I mean, <coughs> most most people don't have the nerve to call a yeah. shop and say, "Hey, yeah. my band wants to play for you guys." I right. would call sometimes, but mostly just email, and I was just starting to figure out how the internet worked and i was like oh i can go on their website and tell them i have a band and they reply <laughs> okay yeah. cool but a lot of it over the internet and okay. just emailing people very cool yeah so what, what kind of music did you guys play um that was like mostly just like acoustic folky kind of music okay it was just we each had an acoustic guitar and sometimes we'd play cajon or something but usually play a what now cajon or just like a box drum or okay jimbe or i don't remember the word for that jambe jimbe yeah one of those african drums but usually just two guitars and we just wrote our own songs and um, did you guys perform just your own music or a little bit of everything or i think we had a couple covers but mostly just stuff we wrote okay now now did you guys both sing or yep we just rotated and the, the one person that wasn't singing melody would attempt to sing harmony but <laughs> i was never very good at that Corey was pretty good at it <laughs> i still I, like sarah tells me all the time the difference between the two and i just don't i don't i don't hear it i don't understand it <laughs> yeah. I, I sound harmony. more like a drowning cat when i try to <laughs> sing so i i tend not to I, i've gotten very much into the the in syncing or the lip syncing as i like to call it yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. i'll be in the car i'll be jamming out but nothing will be coming out of my mouth right. i'll just be listening to the music that's one of the things that i hate about live music is like I want to hear the music. I don't want to hear who's drunk next to me yeah. <laughs> singing. <laughs> shut up about it. Like please shut up. I'm I'm here to hear them. I want to hear them. Shut up. Yeah. I mean I appreciate you being in the music. I know it's fun. It's entertaining. But <laughs> yeah, go in the back corner and sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. There's a reason you're not up on stage. Right. <laughs> we yeah. we did not come here to hear you. <laughs> but I like to uh, attempt harmony and pretend like I know what I'm doing. Sometimes I'll like nail it and i can like feel it i'm like yes that's the right note <laughs> and then sometimes i'm just like going all over the place trying to find the note but <laughs> I s- if i sit down and like actually figure out the melody on guitar and then like play the thirds and fifths and find the harmonies i can do pretty good but i really do have to work at it i mean it's like anything else in life you got to work hard to get something if you want to yeah. be good at it it's, it doesn't it's come natural no, no not for anybody <laughs> yeah. some people are more talented than others it might come quicker yeah. But you still got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Well, like songwriting, to me, it's just like ever since I wrote my first couple songs, it just is like super natural for me. It's one of those natural things. And then like rhythm and harmony are not natural at all for me. <laughs> <laughs> People are always like, you're a musician. How do you not, how is rhythm not natural? And I'm like, I got to like 
work at it. Like rhythm is hard for me. Huh. So uh, were you involved in choir and band and all that kind of stuff in school? No, not really. Okay, so you were just kind of doing your own thing outside of school, yep. playing guitar, I did take fun. piano lessons for a couple of years. Okay. But my teachers didn't like me because I wouldn't read the notes. <laughs> my, my sister played piano, and she read music really well. And I would ask her to play the song for me. And then I'd, just I'd listen to her play it, and then I could play it. But I just had to hear it first. Huh. I so was, you, you had the ear, not the eye yeah, kind of thing. I was so bad at just reading the music and playing it. And I could, like, struggle through a song. But once I heard it, I was good. Huh. Do you still keep up with the piano? Um, I like to mess around with it, but okay. I haven't seriously practiced. I would like to. What about any, uh, any other instruments? Um, guitar I try to keep up with and at least, like, practice a few times a week. Good. But it's still... I don't have the time that I would like to put into it, but that's one of the things I'm working towards. That's kind of how that works, unfortunately. You get busy yeah. and things fall in the back burner. But yeah. it's good, though, because you're still playing every once in a while, which will keep you in the habit. Yeah. So later when you do pick it back up, it's not completely foreign. It's just yeah, that's re the, that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <clears throat> but I'm always experimenting. I never, like, I never really learned how to play metal kind of stuff on guitar because I always played rock and other stuff. And now that, I, like, I do vocals in a metal band now, and I'm like, I, I should really know how to play guitar, like, for the kind of music that I'm doing right now. So I've been practicing that. I just started getting into just trying to learn metal stuff so that when my guitar player is playing something and I have an idea, I can just, like, show him what I'm thinking instead of <laughs> try to be like, no. Yeah, no, you no, go, no, 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 yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but it would be good if I could really translate what i'm thinking just by playing it okay well it's good because so. you got bandmates who can probably help you out and kind of yeah. teach you the rhythm and the timing or whatever else is different with that kind yeah. of stuff i'm not a musician so i don't know i mean i played in the band through high school and junior high what did you play i played the tuba oh, I, was, nice. I started on the trombone but they, cool. they needed a tuba player i think in seventh grade so i switched over i was like oh, okay i'll do it that's fine but uh i don't know how to read music yeah. So I would just memorize the notes and know how to play them. If they were sharp or flat, I had no clue. So I had to like write those down. Mm -hmm. But I just, I got through it because you're just going bump, 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 bump. You're doing that for like two minutes. Like, oh, <laughs> right, this, this right. is easy. I can do this. This is like yeah. four notes. Like, come on, this is nothing. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not, you know, I said, I'm not a musician. I can't read music. I can't play guitar or piano or anything like that. I, mean, yeah. I, I love music. I appreciate it so much. But do you bring your tuba to any parties? No. <laughs> no, never. That would be funny. No. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Just walk in the door. I'm here. Got like, my tuba. What's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm always trying to kind of experiment with different styles and like, oh, I've never gotten into jazz. I'm going to try to learn jazz basics today. Well, that's good. And I just try to learn what I can when I have a little bit of time with guitar. So how long did you two play at the... Uh, coffee shops and stuff a couple of years yeah lasted about two about two years and then we added another uh, member to the band Corey's cousin joe and he started playing drums for us okay and then he started writing a lot of songs and we we made a little ep where we, like we each got a song now what's an ep um, I think it stands for early production, but yeah, I'm not for sure. It's usually like a shorter shorter album. Okay. Like before the album, it'll come out. So we recorded like four songs, and pretty much we each got our own song, 
and then there was one that we kind of all wrote together and it was it was really fun and I could have um, stuck with it and enjoyed it but I was just at a point where I was writing so much music that I just wanted to like write 10 songs and put my own 10 songs on the album okay so it was somewhat selfish and somewhat like I just wanted to grow, and I felt like... You wanted to kind of do your own thing and yeah. share it with Like, I would literally so have 10 songs, and then we'd be recording one. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to start playing my own music. No, it sounds like it makes sense because, it, I mean, obviously it's a great opportunity for you to play with these guys and to have fun. Everybody's yeah. doing their own thing, and everyone's contributing, which is good. It's not just one person doing all the writing or anything else, but... If you've got that much going on and you want to put more into it, I mean, I hate to say yeah. it, but you got to just kind of cut your ties and move on. Yeah, I just had so much material, and it was like, all right, I already have all these songs. I've written like 40 songs since I started this band, and we recorded one. So, <laughs> so I was like, Time I just want to wanna, there. I just wanna get my material out, and I knew I couldn't really do both, do like a great job doing both things. So I made the decision just to move into my own my own music after that okay and how long were you doing that then um just as a songwriter um, writing my own music i did that for about three or four years i think yeah about four years okay were you recording while this was all happening or were you just yeah play, I made, playing them for you and friends and family i recorded a lot at home by myself but okay. it was never anything good enough to like really put out as like a real like I even like sent some stuff to some radio stations and they're like, we can tell you made this yourself. It's not ready. <laughs> they're like, the song is so good, but like the quality's not there. Just the production quality. Yeah. So I recorded a few singles. Like I think almost every year I would record a single, but I just couldn't afford to record albums. So how much does studio time cost? If you want to go in and actually record things professionally, it's gotten a lot cheaper because so many people can, do it themselves these days with okay. all the equipment and technology available but back then it was i think it was around 200 bucks a song for the cheapest guy that i knew okay and, and how long would it take you to record a song um usually just a day at the studio okay yeah and about how many takes would it be to get the song right to where you were happy mm, with it it always depends on <laughs> what, what kind of song you're I playing assu i assume it's not three or four uh, sometimes. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I would if, think it would be hundreds of tries. Like you're just oh, you're no. going, you're recording. And re sometimes it's first take, you keep it. Really? Sometimes it's like, if it's like a complex riff you're playing and you keep messing up the note, then it's sometimes it's like 10 or 12 times. But it just depends on the song and how much time you've put into practicing. Well, that makes sense though. Yeah, because I guess you have practiced it so many times. You're yeah. just going to go in and perform it. You're not just going to figure it out while you're there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, if you're paying good money for studio time, you want to go in having it completely practiced and be able to play it with your eyes closed. No, nope, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, we never been that world, so I don't know. It's it it's I it's funny you're talking about that. In high school, I was in a band and uh, stand up Logic, and uh, we we recorded in the studio, and there were about two or three songs that we had maybe practiced once or twice never played in front of anybody <laughs> that wow. we decided to throw on the album kind of last minute and it was that was a train wreck it went from getting the whole album done in about four days if i remember five you know and to uh, two 
two weeks it felt like maybe more so wow. two and a half <laughs> weeks and so yeah it was there it's crazy and my stuff was easy i I was basis so a couple takes maybe you know kind of thing and i didn't have anything too challenging but i just sometimes i felt so bad for the drummer <laughs> yeah that, that just that would take forever if things just weren't hitting right and i can't imagine being a drummer and just making sure every single tap is like completely on time mm-hmm. it's just so many notes <laughs> uh, i don't know it's blow your mind yeah you can't i don't know drums i i'm not a drummer but when i play i just feel like my music I'm playing is like naked. Like it's like everybody can hear every single yeah, thing. And right. if I miss one thing, they're going to hear it. And whereas guitar, like even if you miss a note, you can like make it work and exactly with the right bend chord. a note or mm-hmm. something. But you're right. Yeah. It's very vulnerable. Yeah. I know the, the drums are definitely an interesting instrument to me. I would love to learn how to play. The problem is that I can't keep four separate beats with all four <laughs> yeah, of my limbs. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I can almost keep hard. one beat with all four of mine, but I can't do it like separately with all four. I don't know how those guys do it. It's just amazing to watch somebody who's who's good at that. Yeah, yeah, I that's agree. for sure. And then some of those guys that like sing while they play it just blows oh, my man. mind. It's like you're doing different beats and you're singing in a different time it's just crazy it's amazing it's amazing (laughs) okay so you're recording your own stuff now you're having fun you're just doing your thing Mm -hmm. recording a single once a year just putting your music out there now are you sharing this with like friends and family you putting it up online what's what's going on with the music i was really bad at online stuff back then like i had no idea how it worked i think it's a little easier now obviously mm -hmm. especially with social media by the time i found out about facebook it was like everyone had known about it for like six or seven years. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like so I was just so, so, is, is that so the, late. Is that the about game. the time you like you found MySpace? Like, no, we've all moved over to Facebook. Yeah, now. right. Found, found it about the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was so late to the game with that stuff. And I didn't know where to go for help, like how to figure it out. So I just messed with it till I, like I, I figured out how to put songs online and share them. But I never really did a whole lot with the online stuff okay just because i was like like an old man with technology (laughs) (laughs) get off my lawn (laughs) (laughs) so where'd where'd you go to after that with your music and you said you're with a metal band now did you get in with them or did you go somewhere else um so this was around 18 19 20 21 i was doing my own music and then i moved from this northern uh cleveland ohio area i moved to um huntington west virginia okay and what took you out there that's that's a long story too. <laughs> okay short and sweet <laughs> um let's see the best way to describe it um my family well to start my my dad is a pastor and he had moved from florida to take over take on a church in west virginia to become their pastor okay so it was right after they moved there where I decided it would be good for me to move back in with my family. Okay. So I'd been on my own since I was around 17. And then I think it was about 21, 22. I, I decided to move back in with them just because I was having a rough time, barely getting by, barely paying my bills. And I... um trying to think of the best way to cut it short, <laughs> shorten it up. But pretty much I was, uh, I just wasn't living the life that I knew I should. Okay. I kind of was smoking pot, like 
every day, all day. Just so you basically moved back in to get your life back on track. Yeah, like things pretty were much. Things were kind of going awry. You know, yeah. like, no, we need to stop, reset. Yeah. And I can't do that on my own. I need help. Yeah. Okay. So, Fair enough. Yeah, that, I was, that makes sense. I was are, a, are you from this area? Yeah, I grew up. Well, okay, but you said your dad was a pastor in Florida. So did, okay, so it's very. It all started. Is, I was waiting for this when we were going to start to crack. <laughs> it all this started in Olmstead <laughs> Falls. Is where I really it all grew started. Up. <laughs> so I grew up in Olmstead Falls. Um, my dad got into the ministry when I was pretty young, and he he was a. I guess a Sunday school teacher is what he started out doing at the church. Okay, so you grew up being religious. Yep. Okay. And then he moved into the Spanish ministry at the church. And he really enjoyed it, and he learned Spanish. And he started, um, let's see. So, he, yeah, he started getting really involved with the Spanish ministry. And he was learning Spanish, and he wanted to, like, um, start taking trips and stuff. So he went to Costa Rica with some people, took some mission trips. Like and building then, churches and stuff like that? or um, Kind of just to, like, visit and see okay. what other people were doing okay. as far as building churches and stuff. So he just went and visited some other guys that were doing some mission work okay and uh, he felt like it was kind of what god had for him was to start churches in other countries so i think it was i don't know a couple years after he was doing the spanish ministry where he felt led that he should be a missionary to a different country and i forget how the whole process worked but he prayed about it and decided on Bolivia, South America. Okay. So for the next few years, they started, um, my parents started raising support and just going to different churches and telling them what they wanted to do and start churches. And it took about two years to raise support. And then I was about 15 or 16 and we moved to South America. And that I was there for about two years, I think. So my parents were starting a church there, and I helped out, and it was really cool. And when you're down there, are you on like a visa or something, or how does that all work? I've never been out of the country, and I know that it's pretty difficult to live in another country. Yeah. I I was pretty young, and I don't really know okay. everything they had to do. But okay. I think it was some sort of visa they had, and um, it was it was really good. It was a really cool experience living there. Now, what was life like when you were down there? I mean, was it like get up, work, go to church, you're out doing ministry? Or is it more, hey, we can kind of do these things during the week and the weekends we can travel and go here and go there? It was a lot of <clears throat> a lot of ministry stuff, but it was still just really like the whole time you were there, there's just mountains everywhere. So we'd take days and just go hiking in the mountains. Okay. But is that what got your love for rock climbing? Probably. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I I don't, I'm not like a rock climber, but I just enjoy being out in nature and hiking and that kind of stuff. I One day I'd like to be a rock climber. <laughs> Maybe take it seriously. This may not be the best area in Northeast Ohio. There's <laughs> right. not tons of mountains around There's here. There's whips ledges. That's good enough for me to start. <laughs> that is a beautiful area. But yeah, I don't want you to think I'm like a professional rock climber. I just enjoy that type of stuff. But... um yeah, just being there was such a cool experience and experiencing a different culture, a crazy I can only culture. imagine, especially <laughs> at that age of your life, where it's such an it's going to make such an imprint yeah. at that age of, of the different culture and the language. I assume you had to speak the language being down there, so you kind of... I, I learned. Yeah, you, you have to. That's, that's kind of thrown into everyone it. Everyone says that's the best way to learn. Immerse yourself. Yeah. Throw yourself in it and you'll figure it out. Yeah, right. so I went to a, a school there 
The only problem was it was a German school in the middle of Bolivia, South America. <laughs> now, <laughs> recently, I just heard about this on the Joe Rogan podcast with Tim Kennedy. Okay. Apparently, there are a bunch of German civilizations down there where they're like straight up Nazis. Like all no their way. Old, when the war ended, they were like, they, a lot of them, we're out. A God, lot of them moved it. down there. Yeah. Like deuces. Wow. We got to get out of here. We're going to get tried for war crimes and all yeah. this kind of stuff. So they just left and their whole families have grown up in these little pockets and they still like speak Dutch and German wow. and all that kind of stuff. Like it's not South America. Like it's bloody Germany. Yeah. Huh. So I just recently found out about that. So that's interesting. It is that crazy. That you kind of live. So I went that. to a German school and they would have these German exchange students come in and I would hang out with these German girls all day, and they spoke perfect English. Really? So the girls and the people that I hung out with, most of them spoke English. So I really wasn't like... Super challenged. Yeah, to, I wasn't yeah. challenged to only speak Spanish. So or, that kind or of, German. <laughs> yeah, right. So I picked up a little German. I picked up a lot of Spanish, but I was never like fluent. But enough to get by, obviously, down yeah. there. Yeah, I can still talk. Like I can have a decent conversation with someone in Spanish. Okay, I'm sure they think I sound funny. <laughs> one, I was talking to one guy that I worked with that spoke Spanish, and he was like, "When you speak Spanish, you sound drunk." <laughs> I was like, "I'm sorry." I yeah. just, it's how I talk. To I you guess it's because right. I'm going so slow trying to think of the well, words. That's the problem is you hear a lot of people, especially the ones who are really smart and they know multiple languages, yeah. where they're thinking in their third and fourth language. How do I say this and that one? And then how do you say this and that one? And, the, and then they're all computing that as they're talking. I, yeah. can, I can barely talk normally. Right. And they're trying to think like four things ahead. Like, how do I say this? I don't know. Yeah, I have a hard <laughs> enough time thinking of the right English word most of the time. Well, it's <laughs> a like, bloody tough word? language. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real honest. Yeah. Especially with all the stinking slang and everything else. Yeah, oh, exactly. my goodness. Yeah. So what's, what's some of the most memorable times you think you have of being down in South America? I remember the salt flats. That was really cool. They have the world's largest salt flats in Bolivia. Okay. So we just were, we had our Jeep and we just drove like across the salt flats where, I mean, you could literally close your eyes, let go of the wheel. It doesn't matter because like, there's nothing there. Nothing out there. So it's, like a salt flat, flat is just an old dead lake, right? Right. Yeah. So it's, is it like at a base of a mountain or? Because yeah. I've only ever like heard of the ones like out in Vegas. They go out and race cars. And yeah, yeah. There's stuff like, like mountains that. surrounding it, so okay. it's like a bowl into the mountains, and it's just dried out. Now, is it super yeah. hot, like a desert? Yeah, it's pretty hot. Okay. And there's like islands in the like in different places of the salt flats. So you'll drive for like almost an hour, and you'll see like a little island formation, and it's just like all pure coral. Like you can mm. tell that like once once you get up close and like touch it and step on it, it's like coral like it's a whole island made out of coral interesting and you can walk around and there's all kind of fossils and all kind of stuff but that was that was really memorable just because i love nature and there's nothing else like it i mean it sounds like it was perfect for you so you moved down there you're hanging out there for a few yeah. years and you're going to school with you know german girls <laughs> yeah. who speak english so i was like i don't have to speak that this is great it was you go on hiking and you go to the salt flats and you're doing some ministry while you're down there yeah. so sounds like a lot of fun it was quite a different world to get thrown into <laughs> just the their customs and the way they live is just so different you almost there's like almost not a way to explain it it's just i mean unfortunately no because for some someone like me who's never been out of the country i've got no experiences except for what i've lived here yeah and what i or what i've seen on tv and the internet obviously but that's only a snapshot you can't get a real feel for something mm -hmm. over you know yeah. a five minute video it's not going to happen yeah 
but it's just a different way of life and it was it was a lot of fun i i would love to go back now that i'm a little older and a little wiser now would you want to live <laughs> down there or just go down there and hang out for a while and then still come home i don't or? think i would ever want to live there okay but i would like to go for like a month and bring my wife and just kind of show her some of the places where i used to spend time that would be very cool yeah but I, I do feel like I kind of took it for granted because I was 16, well, of course. 15, not, 16 right. years old. You're at that age of your life where you think that you know everything. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. listen to older people. Like, like, oh, they're dumb. They don't know. I was like worried about friends that weren't able to come with me or like friends back home. And I'm like, like now I'm like, do you know what you had? Like you were in a different country. Yeah. Not to mention, Spanish. do you even still talk to those people? <laughs> yeah. I haven't kept up with any friends I mean, oh. unfortunately, it's pretty common nowadays, especially. I mean, I've got a lot of friends from high school, like on Facebook, yeah. that were Facebook friends. I say mm-hmm. this in quotations. Right. It's like, we're not friends. Like, I barely <laughs> yeah. I barely see what they post like, every like couple of months. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, I miss my fam. Like, I had cousins that I hung out with. Most of my best friends are usually my cousins. I have so many cousins, and I miss them, and we still are tight today. Good. But, um, but you just You need to make time for people like that in your life. I mean, if it's just like once a year. Yeah. Get together, see each other, have a couple beers, have a good time, enjoy yourselves. You know, For just sure. Catch up on life. But unfortunately, things get so busy with all of mm-hmm. us. It's it's hard enough to keep up with your yeah. normal friends Some you people... see every day, let alone like ones you haven't seen in a couple of years. Yeah. Some so people tough. aren't in a different country and they still go like a year without talking to their yeah. Oh, yeah. to their sister, cousin or something. Unfortunately, right. that's a little bit more common, especially because you're closer. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, they're just a few minutes down the road, like my parents, and I can go see them whenever. And it'll be months that my mom will call me like, hey, yeah, um, are you going to come over and see us? We want to see you. Yeah, right. Like, oh, yeah, Again, I know. I'm take sorry. it for I'm granted. Because <laughs> oh, it's so close. But yeah. if, it, if it was a distance, you'd make time, you'd schedule things, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd make it a priority. It's, it's kind of how that works. It's, it's so funny, but yeah. it's pretty common. Mm-hmm. And so you were down in South America for a couple of years. A couple of years. And then you guys came back to the States? Um. When I came back, there was, like, some turmoil, I guess you call it, in the country, and there was, like, some civil disputes, and it was starting to get kind of serious. So we flew back home, kind of let that settle down a little bit. So these were happening down in South America? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I remember one morning, like, it was starting to get bad. There's, like, like from our window, you could see on the street, there are, like, people, like, starting little riots everywhere. Okay. And there's, they would, like, take... They'd block off the roads. Like when something, when they didn't like stuff, they'd just block off the roads. So the the people would block off the roads to try to prove points to like the government. Just like, well, we don't like this, so we're going to make sure no one can drive anywhere. <laughs> like ruin rush hour traffic. Yeah. <laughs> so they would like throw like tire, like piles of tires in the middle of the road and they'd just start burning them. So there'd be like black smoke everywhere and they threw rocks a lot. They would, they'd like, roll big stones into the middle of the road and then they throw rocks at the police but it started getting kind of kind of nuts over there so was it was it like a military police state or was it like an elected government down there or? um that's a good question okay i, I really don't know okay well i don't either <laughs> yeah. yeah i never really studied that kind of stuff okay when i was there but either way things are getting a little sketchy so you yeah. guys kind of decided hey maybe we should go home for a little bit and try to be safe yeah so we went back home, and that's kind of when I, I was around 17 years old. Must be split out on your own. Yeah, that's kind of when I went and start doing my own thing, and I think my parents, I think they were back. Yeah, we we all lived up in Olmstead Falls for 
a few more months. I don't remember the exact timeline. Okay. But eventually they went back to South America and then they would go back to Florida was like their, their, um, it was kind of home base here in yeah. the States. Florida was their home base for a couple of years. Okay. And so then, then he got a job up in West Virginia and then, yeah. and then you moved in with them to kind of get your life straightened back yeah. out. So before that, I just want to kind of clear up a little bit so, <laughs> just so there's no misunderstandings, but I was dating my current wife, <laughs> Michelle around, I guess I was around 21, 20, 20 or so. I started dating her and things were like, we really were in love and things were good. And then we both just like, we were both kind of just all about the party, the party scene. And that's kind of all we, like, it didn't go much deeper than that. Yeah. And we just, like, we both knew that we weren't living the life we were supposed to be living. And she broke up with me. She was like, you know what, like, I just want a guy that really knows what he's doing with his life and, like, has a purpose. And it was, she's like, I need, like, a leader in my life, pretty much. Okay. And I knew, like, I there was, like, no denying it. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm not the guy I should be for you right now. So that's kind of where I was with that. And, like, I knew I had to get my life together. I don't think, like, pot smoking is wrong or anything, but I was, like, a lazy pothead, and I would just <laughs> stay home and smoke weed all day. Well, unfortunately, the way I look at it is pot's bad because it's illegal, obviously. Right. So, so that that's a tough thing because, you know, a lot of people can lose their jobs over it. You can get arrested over it. Like, there's lots of bad things about that. But right. in my mind, it's also a lot safer than legal drugs <laughs> like yeah. alcohol and a lot of the prescription yeah. drugs that people are addicted to. If you're comparing to. alcohol and weed, I think uh, alcohol is worse. Yeah, really. it's, to me, it's it's ludicrous why it's illegal. I mean, it's, I, I, just, I cannot understand why. Now, so I don't, I'm, I'm not much of a pot smoker. I like alcohol. That's my drug of choice. Yeah. You know, to each his own, I don't care. But unfortunately, it can make people a little bit too lazy. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're lazy if you smoke pot. There's a bunch right. of people who prove that wrong. And that's the point I'm trying. Of, I know a bunch of go-getters. Right. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is that I don't. I'm not saying since I smoked weed, I was. That's why I think I was in a bad place. Like, I had a lot of issues, and one of them was I smoked pot all day and was lazy. <laughs> and pretty much, I knew I had to. I, I knew I had to change my life, and I knew that I had to stop doing things I was doing. And like, if I call myself a follower of Christ I really need to follow Christ and do what he wants me to do with my life and it was like no question like I knew that he was saying go over here and I was like no I want to play music and do this and I wasn't really following him so it was I hadn't talked to Michelle for a few months maybe like five or six months we just hadn't talked she didn't want me to talk to her till I figured out what I was doing and um, I got a call one day and she's like, my sister's getting married and their piano player can't make it. Can you play piano tomorrow at the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll try to stay up late and learn some stuff. So I was, I ended up going to the wedding, playing piano and just like seeing Kelly and Mark get married. Like I just knew like I could have all this stuff, like this marriage, like this beautiful life. I knew I could have it if I like just did what I was supposed to do. Okay. But now is is that something that you grew up wanting? Is that something that maybe you saw from your, your parents or things that maybe in church and you saw those kind of relationships, you realize, you know what? 
that's what I want in my life. I don't, is, is that is that kind of when it hits you, or I, I don't you, think I realized that I even wanted it till that moment. Okay, so it never really hits you then. So it wasn't yeah. like you've been yearning for it your whole life, and then yeah, all of a sudden really. it came up. It was just like you realize when you saw it, hey, it kind of just it. showed that's, me that's like what I want a direction that I should be going, and if like if I just did the things I was supposed to, like God's got a really cool life for me that He wants me to have, but I'm over here trying to do my own thing and it was just like so clear to me that there is like two paths and I could stay here and just get caught up in doing I don't want anyone to think I was like a drug addict either like it was mostly just weed but well, <laughs> what I'm saying like the the drugs are almost irrelevant you, right. you could have been doing the same thing with video games you could have been doing right. the same thing mm-hmm. with eating chocolate or sugar or Oreos right but pizza ch- I mean, Anything that you can take to an excess, you can right. you can ruin your life with. I mean, if people do it with pornography, with mm-hmm. with sex, with with relationships, and with with anything you can imagine. It's yeah. it's not about the pot <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. So pretty much, I knew, I saw the two directions I could go, and I was like, I know God wants me to go over here, okay, but I want to stay here and just play music and do my own thing and party every night. And I was that's like the day that I made the decision. And I was like, you know what? I still got a chance with Michelle. I just need to get my life together. And I'm going to, like, after I get my life together and, like, know that I'm on the right track, I'm going to try again. Okay. And I just had so many friends kind of involved in the party scene that I was like, if I'm serious, I got to I gotta move. So that's, like, the day I decided I would move back in with my parents, like, clean up my act. Okay. And go from there. Now, did you have any friends that stayed supportive during this, cha- like, um, almost transfer in your life where you're kind of getting away from doing what they like to do, like hanging out yeah. and partying and playing music and doing all that kind of stuff? Did you have friends that still supported you? Or they all say, hey, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you still think, hanging with us? I think most of them thought I was, like, I lost my mind or something. Okay. <laughs> I, I kind of kept up with some of them, but not really. I was I didn't really communicate with them very much anymore. I didn't really have deep friendships at that point either, though. Yeah, I, like, I, I hate to say it, but it seems like that's pretty common. Yeah. Because a true friend will support you in whatever you decide to do because it's yeah. what's best for you. And until you have those kind of friendships in your life, right. you don't really have friends. You have right. acquaintances. You Surface have these, level. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you have these Facebook buddies. You have like, yeah. oh, I'm you're, friends like with a school. thousand people. No, yeah. no, those aren't your friends. Yeah. Like the ones who will support you in anything in your life. Those are your real friends. True. So, but that goes to show kind of like the depth of my life at that point. Like, well, I, I, I don't think it that it's wasn't just that point in your life. I think that's a, a lot of different people's like all throughout your life. I think that's a pretty common thing is you have a lot of acquaintances. Yeah, that's true. And very few real friends. I mean, that, that could be from when you're, when you're very young in your teenage years all the way up till you, you pretty much you yeah. know, kick the bucket like mm-hmm. later in life. Yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. There's, it's hard to find if you have one good friend, you have more than a lot of people. I mean, what is, what is exactly. it they always say? Like, what's what's the 3 a.m. test, right? So you're driving in the middle of the night, it's three o'clock in the morning, you blow a tire, you got to get to work the next day. Mm-hmm. Who can you call that has to be up in a few hours because they need to go to work right. that will come like drive two hours out of the way to come get you? Not many. Like those are the friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if like put that up on your Facebook and see who shows up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. now I feel like you could Uber it <laughs> at <laughs> three in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, if you got money in your wallet, <laughs> it, yeah. well, you should always have some cash Lost in your wallet, wallet. J- just in case. Come get me, right? <laughs> right. But Uber. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like the turning point of my whole life. I just felt like 
it was a crossroads that like really it was two directions and like if I would have stayed home and done my own thing like who knows where I'd be today it'd be obviously completely different completely different so that was probably the number one major turning point in my life and that's when I moved to West Virginia I lived with my family for about three or four maybe even six months and then I got a job with um some gas gas construction companies well only one company I got a job with a gas construction company where we built compressor stations okay. and stuff for natural gas pipelines. All right. So every job was mobile. So we'd go out to the middle of Pennsylvania and work for three months, and then we'd go back to southern West Virginia and work for three months. So what, Living at hotels and stuff? Uh, eventually, I got a camper where I'd just take to a campsite and live out of the camper. It was cheaper, I assume? Yeah. But first, while I was getting started, it was hotels. And okay three guys would split a hotel to make it cheaper yeah no i get it that's, that's a tough life to live but it was really fun i enjoyed it oh really it it was cool i mean there's definitely downsides but there's a lot of cool parts to it just i'm all about adventure so yeah, you get to travel and see different places and see different, different things and different states where you're like 10 miles from like a state park and you're like ooh, let's check this out but just always like kind of an adventure when you're on the road mm-hmm. so i enjoyed that part of it but lots of traveling i that was the one, probably the longest point in my life, longest period in my life where I went without playing music, really. Like, I I just didn't play guitar for, like, two years. <laughs> did you just not have it with you, so you weren't playing? Or? I didn't have one. Now, did you decide to me? do that on purpose, to kind of leave that life behind a little bit, to, to kind of get your head on straight before a you came back bit. to it? A little bit. Like, I would still, like, when I was at home with my parents, my dad had a guitar, and I still wrote some songs here and there. But I wasn't trying to pursue like a band to be in. Yeah. Try to do music with my life. I was pretty much since I made that turning point decision to get my life on track. I just knew like, all right, if I really want to marry her, I need to get get a good job and like get money to pay for the wedding and a place to live. So it was just super focused on just making, finding a career, making money, being able to support a wife. Okay. Now, were you two talking again during this time? Since you were trying to get your life together, or was it more of the, no, leave, come back when you got your shit figured out? Pretty much for, like, the next, I think the next two months, we didn't really make contact. Like, I I told her I'm going to West Virginia to live with my parents and get my life together, and it was still kind of like, don't really call me till, till you got stuff figured out. Okay. So it was a couple months of just putting my head down and working hard. And, yeah, and deciding what was best for you. Yeah, and going to church like every single time the doors were open like i was like just soaking stuff in like i never realized that what that's what that chapter was talking about but i just really soaked up a lot of just knowledge about the bible and just the way god wants us to live and i would say after about three or four months i called her and we had a good talk and she realized like i was serious and i wasn't playing games anymore yeah and um yeah, I guess after after a couple of good good conversations, once you really realized I wanted to change and I was changing, then we I think we met up. She drove down to West Virginia and we had a day out, just went to the mall, um, got so dinner. So romantic. Just, yeah, it was yeah. it was cool because it was just it had been a long time since we had seen each other and just a lot of feelings came back. Yeah, that'll that'll happen so. pretty quickly. After that, it just kind of snowballed into dating again, and 
about a year later into um, picking a date to get married. So now was she still living here in, in Ohio, and you were still down there in West Virginia? Yep, she was. So you guys were doing the whole long distance thing. So a lot more probably phone calls a lot of than anything calls. else. I would drive, drive like through the night to visit her sometimes. Like I'd have two days off. I'd be in Pennsylvania and I'd drive all the way here, spend the day with her, drive all the way back the next day. Okay. But I still got to see her a fair amount Good. when I was doing the gas construction stuff. Very cool. Yeah. So <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this is good. Your life is an adventure, man. It's great. It's, it's been an adventure for yeah. sure. <laughs> so, so you guys got back together. You picked a date. Like, what happens then? Like, did you guys decide to, like, did you, did you move back here to be home, like where she is, or well, how how that all work out? So even after we got married, I still did the gas construction for, I think about six more months. Okay. Once we were married, it was really. Really good money. Really hard to find anything back here that was paying that good. That's the thing is a lot of people don't want to do that kind of work because you have to be uprooted. You're moving around. You're mm-hmm. doing different things. So it's it's kind of hard to find something that will fit that bill. Yeah. But just for the sake of getting our stuff together, it was good to have um, some good money coming in. So I did that for a while longer. And then it started just being like really hard to be married and to be gone all the time. Uh-huh. So that's when I came back and just started doing um, construction kind of stuff back here. Okay. That's kind of the idea of being married. You kind of want to be together. Yeah. You know, I mean, call me a hopeless romantic <laughs> if you want to, but the, the whole idea of getting married to your spouse is so you can be with them as much as you possibly yeah. can. And unfortunately, today's day and age where both people have to work to kind of make ends meet, it's tough because you both go off separate ways. You work with different people all day. You yeah. see each other a couple hours a night, maybe, yeah. and then you you know sleep together. But that doesn't really count because you're asleep. And yeah. I mean, it's it's not quality time you're spending together. It's only a few hours, so it's it's tough. But it tough. you got you got to do what you can to support your family. And I get it. But yeah. So so you came back. You're doing construction. Are you, are you still doing construction now? Um. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of my own work. I'll just. I have a few people that I work for that have apartment buildings and houses that they rent to people. So I'll do maintenance okay. and I'll do some like flipping houses type okay. stuff. Do you have like contracts with these people or just these people you've known in the industry and they kind of get you work when you need work? Um, it depends. I do a lot of really small stuff. So they'll pay me hourly. Okay. And then sometimes I'll like put in a bid for like doing new countertops or new just putting cabinets in or something. Yeah. I'll just put an actual bid in gotcha. and, and I'll go do the work and they'll pay me. Okay. So that's kind of my number one thing I do to pay the bills right now. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, so, it's fun. It's just, I know it's like, anytime I'm just trading time for money, I still feel like it's not, it just doesn't jive with me. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I'm valuing my life at whatever, $18 an hour right now. It's mm. just, <laughs> I, I hate trading time for money. I like building passive income. So Yeah, but that's a lot tougher than... <laughs> Gotta. Everyone's gotta start out somewhere. So mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta pay the bills while you're building whatever you're building. Absolutely. Now David tells me that you do something with furniture. That's so. my my newest project that I'm going all in with. So how'd you get started into the furniture stuff here from construction? Um. Ever since I was, I don't want to say a kid, but I guess when I was around fifteen, sixteen. I, I was always interested in like building stuff and I made a couple small wood shop projects 
and then it was just like every year I'd like make a shelf for someone or I I was just always drawn to it but I never had like tools or a garage <laughs> but I enjoyed it so um it kind of went from building little projects here and there to trying to make extra money and going to the thrift store finding furniture kind of upcycling it putting a new top on something okay s- stuff like that kind of repurpose it a little bit yeah exactly so i'd buy something for five bucks sell it for 50 bucks or just kind of spend some time with it make it better and that's originally kind of what i started the furniture business as and so it's kind of just a hobby that you were doing you're making a little bit extra money so it was kind of nice yeah but essentially it's just it's you just tinkering and having a good time really yeah i really enjoy it it's just fun for me so um trying to think of a good way to talk about how it started but <laughs> I, <laughs> well, that, at the that's, same that's kind of is how it started yeah right? you, so at the same time that i i'm interested in furniture i have over the past couple of years i've been really interested in charity work and helping charities raise money and at like where i'm at in life right now i i really believe like my purpose is to kind of inspire people and businesses to give part of what they make to charities and so I was, I've been trying to kind of look for something I can start doing as kind of like an example of how you can use your gifts to like raise money for something you believe in. Okay. So I, I started Opportunity Furniture as kind of my first, um, kind of my example of what it would look like if you started a business that gives money to charity. So I'm, that's like one of the reasons that. Um, I'm making it like an actual business and stuff like that because I have like a a greater purpose behind it and I want to I want to be an example and just show people what you can do to help other people that's cool so what's what's your plan with how that's gonna grow around here at least we have to grow kind of locally yeah I assume and then try to get something bigger you're trying to looking to grow like your own business or you're just looking to be the example to help show other businesses how to, to do that. So I think in the future it could turn into like an actual business that connects um, businesses with charities and bands with charities. Like I think it would be so cool if every single band that played, you're like, oh, what's your charity? And like the band is like, oh, we give 10% to this charity. Like just I think it would be so cool. But I don't know for sure if I'm supposed to do that yet, but I do feel like I'm supposed to be starting something as an example of what it would look like so when that time comes i can make the transition um i do think that in the near future i'm going to start like a youtube channel or a podcast that just interviews businesses that do do stuff for the community and businesses that um, do do certain things to help other people and to help the world and i'll interview the founders and see what they're doing to help and just kind of show people what's possible very cool now what got you involved in all this i mean it seems like a pretty big project to be involved (laughs) with let's be real honest here there was a lot of little things that turned it into a big thing (laughs) um a few years back at the church there was a uh there's a ministry called remember new at grace church um they, they came and spoke at grace church i don't know what church they're out of but it's this guy and his wife, and they help 
children get out of the sex trade in different developing countries and it was just like so eye-opening for me like it like crushed my soul we i think a lot of people (coughs) around here are pretty oblivious to the fact that incredible that there's more probably sex trafficking going on right now this day and age in 2018 than there ever was in history Mm -hmm. and not only in developing countries but like at the the starbucks in cleveland i hate to say it but the number one culprits are white american males it's crazy Mm -hmm. that that's what happens and I've, i've heard lots of crazy stories and you know when you see white males traveling in other countries, they all think that they're they're here for for sex trafficking. It's, it's crazy. Either either partaking or you know obviously you know kidnapping kids and taking them you know back for other clients and whatever. And it's just it's so ridiculous. And most people have their blinders on. And they just they just don't understand it. When you hit them with that, I mean, forcing kids to be sex slaves is just yeah. How could you? How could a person do that to another human being? I just it's do unreal. not understand. And and people always say well, we got to fix the all this, we got get rid of all these, you know, people that are smuggling these kids and doing this kind of stuff. It's like, no, you need to get rid of the problem, yeah. <laughs> the need. Right. If you can get rid of the need, they won't make any money doing it. They won't do it. Yeah. Because those people, they're just, they're in horrible countries. They're just trying to support their family. They'll do mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. A lot of times it's like part of their family selling their daughter to pay for food for the other kids or something. It's mm-hmm. just I mean, crazy. To, to them, it's the, one of the only options they can actually do to yeah. make some money. I mean, you can't blame them for that. I mean, it's a horrible thing to think about, mm-hmm. but it's just the truth. You can't blame them for that. You just, you've got to get rid of the need. If, yeah. the, if there's no need for it, they can't make any money doing it. Yeah, so that's what this organization, Remember New, does. They'll go in and they'll start schools to teach the kids and they'll have like um, clinics and stuff and they'll like ha- actually hire the girls to help out with stuff and they don't like provide jobs and to, education to teach them skills so they can make money yeah. mm-hmm. so they don't have to sell themselves so they'll teach them skills they'll employ them and the family will get money from that and they try to make it self-sustaining so that it can just continue to keep keep going so i i believe i saw the girl the organization organization is called remember new and new is the girl's name of this girl that was a victim and she like really touched this guy's heart and made him start this organization. But I saw her like actually give her testimony and it was just like, it just brings me to tears. Well, I'm sure there wasn't a dry eye in the room because people have no idea the kind of like horrible things that those people have seen. Yeah. I mean, just, so ever since then I've had like just a passion to like be able to do something like, I know that I can inspire other people to give and just build awareness of what's actually happening. And I mean, that's just one organization. There's so many oh, yeah. great organizations out there. Um, another organization I'm interested in helping is called Send Relief. And like they go in after a natural disaster or a hurricane and they'll like get people shelter, um, just provide people with food and um, so the, I'm teaming up with them. I haven't like officially teamed up with them or anything, but as of right now, I'm giving 25% of all profits from Opportunity Furniture to Send Relief. And I'm in the process of like, I want to actually team up with them and have them like um, kind of support me as I support them because I see that being an important part of if other small businesses want to team up with charities i want to kind of make it so that like they actually kind of connect and the charity can put on their website hey check out 
what this person's doing to help us and it'll just kind of circle around yeah mm-hmm. and just kind of be there and maybe help market and get the awareness out there and right. send people your way and then realize that hey if you buy stuff from them some of that comes back to us and that mm-hmm. helps us do our stuff and you, know, you, you don't just have to donate here you can you know go here and do something else and that'll help us as well mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty cool yeah so, think of it instead of hitting a donate now button you're yeah every purchase you make at this place or every service you you know employ from them kind of thing also still gets to benefit and that's that's circular that's that's driving economy and which i think is a good idea because i mean people donate money and that's fine but you say oh yeah well i donated money and and that's cool but if you buy a piece of furniture so to say that you went to a a thrift store and picked it up it was old and beat up and you refinished it and repurposed it it's beautiful now and somebody buys it Mm -hmm. and you know certain percentage of that goes to the charity of your choice and then anytime they say have friends come over, yeah, check this out. I bought this, and yeah. this is what this guy's doing. And then they talk about your business. It talks about the charity, yeah. and they feel good about it. Yeah. So it's it's it really it's, helps it's like win people. win win. I mean, it's it's good yeah. so many ways. That that's that's really cool. Thank you. So that's that's my number one project right now. I just, I got, where are you at in the project? Are you still getting things rolling here? What's getting things rolling? Finding. A place. I live in an apartment building, so I don't even have a garage to work have like in. a workshop. So I'm trying to find a workshop right now. Um, I'm working out of my brother-in-law's garage at the moment, but I have some people that have offered me really good deals on some workshops. So I'm in the middle of kind of shopping around for a good workshop. And within the next two years, I'd like to have my own storefront where I hopefully have like a workshop in the back and then a storefront in the front where I can display everything. Okay. Now, are you looking to do that full-time then? You have to do that just like a couple days a week while you still for uh, now, go out and do your handyman work? For now, it'll be part-time Okay. until I can make enough money off it to support myself. Um, but there's there's a lot of little stuff that I need to get ready before I go all in anyway. So the next year, I'll kind of just be getting all the the little things tied up before I jump all the way into it. Okay. Yep. Pretty cool. I'm excited about it. You know, <laughs> I think you should be. There's it's a lot of a lot of good things to be excited it's really about. It's really cool to see where I mean, after only I think it's been like four, maybe five months, it's crazy where it's already going. So Yeah, that's pretty cool. The pieces you've put together are just I mean, they're beautiful. I <laughs> I love I love handiwork too. And actually I love it too because, you know, uh Luke and I we get I I was so excited to show him pictures on my phone of just a little standing desk thing I made recently and a couple other things. I I, I just like woodworking because it's immediate results, yeah, right? Yeah. You get to see it's creation happen, <laughs> right? You know, like it, it, I was using pallets, you know, which are ratty, torn down, dirty things kind of thing and getting to see them turned into this after, you know, quite a bit, of, a little bit of work and sanding and staining and it's now something i consider beautiful yeah. <laughs> i don't know if everyone else would but i like, love seeing the different things you can make just out of an old palette oh it's, it's crazy so many cool things i got just idea after idea but um but it, it's cool that i get to show him you know we share in that like hey you know this is something i made with my hands and and then he'll show me oh did and always enthusiastic i was like oh that's great and then then i'll look at what he's doing i'm like oh <laughs> i'm i suck <laughs> I set my game up yeah i spend a lot more time on it than you. yeah yeah still it's it, they are they're they're but yeah at the moment i'm i'm i was trying to move into like something i specialize in because i want to be like 
really niche and focused. So right now I'm specializing in live edge furniture where it's like the trees sliced into a slab and you got the live bark and everything on it. Okay. So that's my, that's what I'm specializing in right now is everything live edge. So, um, I'm building the website right now and I'm going to have like an order form on there where they can go online and like create their custom table for whichever room they want in their house. And like, if they want it under a six foot long bay window, then I can make it six foot long and however high they want. So right now I'm kind of, it's kind of tedious work, but I'm putting the website together with like detailed order forms and stuff. Okay. So are you hoping to make more pieces like that that are like custom order for people? Or are you just going to have random stuff people can go in and, oh, I want this, and they can just buy it? I want to do more, just like I build it, and then I put it out, and if someone buys it, they buy it. But it's really hard to do do that without a shop because people will see my work, and then they'll just automatically be like, oh, I want a table like this. And it's like, well, that one's sold, <laughs> or... They're like, I want it just like this, but two feet longer. So there's a ton of people that just want something custom right now. And that would be a good way to kind of get some funds going. Okay. But I do, I would rather, if I could, just have a shop and like finish a project, put it out. And when it sells, it sells. Because that's way easier. Yeah. (laughs) But I know that once I get like a good order form online, I'll have lots of business coming in. Because I just, I have a ton of people asking about it right now. I just don't have a place to send them yet. I mean, it takes time to set all that kind of stuff up. It's not like you can just yeah. throw something up willy-nilly and hope for the best. Yeah, you, you, you know, take your time good. and figure everything out. It's kind of how that goes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that was me five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it. <laughs> I know the game. Yeah. So, but I do believe like that's what my purpose is right now is not only to raise money for charities, but something bigger to where I can really inspire people to be like, oh, what can I give? What can I do to help? And that's what I think my purpose is, is just to build awareness of what's happening in front of our eyes that we don't even see and then challenge people to, hey, what can you do? So are you looking to get more involved with just your local community with that kind of stuff? Or are you looking to branch out and do like bigger things like nationwide or even worldwide? I mean, with with donating to Send Relief, I do want to get involved with them and see if it's possible to like when there's a hurricane, like be the be one of the first people to go down with them and set up um, tents or whatever. I mean, not to do. mention, I hate to say it, but they're going to need people with construction backgrounds. So you would yeah. be a perfect person to go yeah. to be able to help fix things or do things you need to or set things up. Yeah, that's, that, that, would, that would be good for somebody with your skill didn't set. Didn't you do some of the Texas relief? Or the, I went to Florida. One of the guys I worked for had some apartments in Florida, some house rental houses in Florida that got pretty messed up. And I went down there. And that was another of those little things that kind of just put something in my heart to do something. Because when I was there, I just saw so many families that lived there that their houses were just piles of wood. Like, But that was that was an experience. And that's one of the things that made me want to do the disaster relief. Because while I was there, I wasn't really helping the community that much. I was helping this guy get his houses back together. But I saw like groups of people coming in and helping clean up yards and stuff like that well, that's the thing though is it, it does take a community of people yeah and for somebody like you to go down there and help rebuild whereas a lot of those people they can't build mm-hmm. so they can't do specifically what you were doing to fix those apartments but they can come in and pick up trash and yeah. sweep things and move things around and help their neighbors and do that kind of yeah. stuff that's fine but 
you know, there's, I mean, you need people with skills to be able to rebuild stuff. That's just yeah. kind of how that works. I mean, I, I couldn't rebuild a house. There's no way. Just seeing, I, mean, I could like, carry boards and stuff for people who actually knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. You could snatch them up to them. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. But just seeing, like, the need of, like, people there right after something happens, it's just crazy. Like, there's people that, like, lose everything. And it's just such a cool opportunity to go in right after and be like, oh, you need a place to sleep? Here you go. Like, we've been preparing for this. So... I do want to, like, when I look into my future, what my life might look like in five years, I can see myself, like, getting on a plane right after something happens and being a, one of the first ones there helping people. I think that would be a really cool life. It would definitely be very rewarding. <coughs> yeah. That's for sure. So where do you think, where do you see things going in the next few years besides, you know, getting a storefront up and getting moving with that with your, with your furniture company? As far as along the lines of the furniture? No, just in general with your life. Where where do you see things Um, taking you in the next couple of years here? I mean, I have a lot of different projects. So I'm starting a metal band right now. I'm in the middle of, it's not, I said that wrong, but we're in the beginning stages of starting a metal band right now. Okay. So it's me and two other guys, and we got about three or four songs together, but we're all really excited to start playing shows. So hopefully... Within the next few months, we'll be playing shows, and I I definitely see that as part of my life in the future, playing some metal and just getting out there and okay, having fun up on stage, jamming with some. Have you been playing musicians. in bands with in the last few years, or you just been working? Or so after I got married, I kind of switched into metal stuff because I had always been interested in metal, but I always played rock and roll stuff. So okay. I just. The, the band before this, I kind of just wanted to see what it was like. So I I was in a a different metal band for about almost three years before this one. And it was just kind of an experiment just to see see if it was for me. And I really do. I love playing metal. So Okay. And he's the vocals, too. <laughs> so it's impressive to hear. Like, you hear this, this great kind of, you know, um, regular cadence kind of voice now but then when he gets on stage they're screaming and yelling and doing all that kind of stuff awesome now and can you can fun. you can we understand what you're saying on stage i hope so or is it like the gorilla sex <laughs> music it's like, yeah. like nah. i try to make it legible so you can like really understand what i'm saying but i'm sure there's times where people have no idea what i'm saying <laughs> but they like there's different bands you can listen to, and you you can be like, oh, I can tell that he tries to pronounce what he's saying, and he tries to pronounce it like he's eating a sandwich. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can you can kind of tell who tries. So I'm hoping that as long as I try to like pronounce what I'm saying, people get it. But I I like that better when you can kind of catch most of what they're saying. That's kind of the idea of music. Yeah, but I'm I mean some people are all about the heavy, and nothing else matters except for heavy. And I mean, it sounds heavier when he's just grunting yeah, stuff. Yeah, I so. know, and, and heavy's great, but those aren't the kind of songs that move you. Yeah, that's the not kind of mine. The kind of songs that move you, you need to be able to understand the lyrics and hear what they're talking about. That's be, how I am. It needs to be a real thing. It can't be this bullshit rap music that all these kids listen to. Yeah. It's like yeah. two sentences for yeah. five minutes. <laughs> right. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, I mean, at least, I mean, like Eminem. Like, I, I appreciate him because at least he he's wrote, yeah. at least he wrote mm-hmm. songs. I mean, his songs aren't the 
greatest, but I still enjoy his stuff. But yeah. a rap that like plays at the gym when I'm lifting, like oh, my teammates, they just play the stupidest stuff. Yeah. Like I keep joking with my coach, I'm like, well, we should we should be rap stars. Like I can say a sentence over and over and over. Right. <laughs> I could do that. And it's probably about abusing somebody or getting a lot of money anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's usually about bitches and hoes. Right. Be honest. Exactly. <laughs> and money, getting that money. <laughs> But uh, no, I'm, I'm more of a uh, Corey Taylor fan. So. That's cool. So he's he's my guy. And I, I tell people that, and they're all like, who? <laughs> like, go check him out. He's like the musical genius of our time. Like, I love that guy. Yeah. Whereas he does have some screamy stuff. But he can, where it's heavy, but most of the time. You can usually tell what Yeah, you can really pick saying. out what he's saying. And it's yeah. just it's deep stuff. Yeah. Which I appreciate. That's cool. So, yeah, hopefully we'll be playing some music pretty soon here. Very cool. My band is called Paradox Rift. And we should be hitting the stages pretty soon. Are you right. looking to pick up some more people, or is it just gonna be the three of you guys? We or? are. We have a bass player lined up, but we haven't really jammed with him yet. He's got some stuff going on, and we're trying to get a lot of our stuff kind of just basic recordings for him to practice with. And we are looking for a lead guitarist right now. So if anyone's out there, <laughs> plays lead guitar. Yeah, if you're interested, hit up Luke and let him know what's going on. <laughs> Are you local too, or are you going to be traveling with this one? I mean, we'll probably stay pretty local. We practice out in Menor, so that's kind of. When far your bandmates have a place to to practice, or you have yeah, to we rent got space? A, we got we rent a practice space. Okay, out in Menor, so we practice. Much of the neighbors to, love you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we try to practice once a week right now, but we're trying to get to the point where we can practice a couple times a week. I, I assume you're practicing on your own besides just the once a week with the band. Yeah, That's kind of what that takes. I like but. to take time out and write and practice my vocals. I like to practice vocals while I'm driving home from the gym because I'm like all pumped up. <laughs> well, that, that's a great time to do it. I mean, I hate to say it, like I'll practice introductions and stuff for the podcast as I'm driving. It's, yeah. it's time where I'm behind the windshield. I got some music playing maybe or a, an audio or a talk that I've listened to a couple times. So it's just kind of playing in the yeah. background. You'll be practicing and doing different things. And it just, it takes, takes time and effort. So it's, that's a great time to practice something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to practice in my apartment too. Cause <laughs> I know that everyone else is like, what is going on yeah. up there? <laughs> Neighbors do not like that. <laughs> Unless you have a soundproof room, which I do those not. are very expensive. Yeah, definitely not in an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't care if I have to practice, I practice. Yeah. <laughs> cool well, awesome i'll tell you what i think that's probably a pretty good place to wrap up this first talk i think we can cool. definitely do this again and talk about more of like where you're at and where things are going it's it's a very cool project so why don't you tell people where they can go to maybe support you or ask questions and and see what's coming up in the in the future okay yeah i do most of my stuff on instagram so you can follow at opportunity furniture and you can just message me on there if you have any questions and you can follow my personal Instagram at Luke Weeks himself. This epic name. I it love that so name. Good, it's so right? good, Himself. Oh, himself. <laughs> well, that says it then. <laughs> <laughs> and then, David, uh, what are ways people can get a hold of you if they're interested in coming here to the gym and checking what you're doing out? Yeah, so you can uh, definitely find me um, most often at CrossFit Strongsville, um, both physically and Instagram and email and just about everything else. So that's David at CrossFit Strongsville. Um, dot com or at Insta or, or at um, CrossFit Strongsville on Instagram. 
Um, if you want to hit me personally, then uh, Iron Halo Nineteen is my my personal Instagram. Oh, you um, changed it? What happened? I, I know it changed. I just wow. I, I, something felt super pretentious about Alpha to Omega. Even though <laughs> I had no re like I was not claiming to be Alpha and Omega in any way, shape, or form. But I just remember just getting that look from a couple, you know, people and thinking. Yeah, you know it does kind of sound like that, doesn't it? So, so I, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. So, but no. I liked so, it. Yeah, but um, I, I'm sure I, I probably, I think my Twitter is still off. Of I don't even yes. know. Yeah. So there's, there's some part. You gotta of, leave one. Yeah, maybe my PlayStation account. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but no, Iron Halo is kind of just a concept of, uh, you know, strength and and um, kind of being angels to people, you know, in some other ways. So kind of similar heart to know what's going on for luke and what he wants to do with opportunity furniture and you know just ways he can serve help encourage lift others that's very cool so you guys have anything coming up here at the gym any competitions or clinics or anything yeah you know so we we actually run a clinic about every six weeks now um next one's going to be on rowing so you can always check us out on facebook um, you know, or even follow us on. So uh, that's more of like a skills clinic. Yeah, for your skills kind of work, right? Are people uh, who aren't members available to come? Yeah, today? absolutely. Everybody's welcome. Open house on those. Um, and then uh, as it comes to competitions, we've got some things in the work. We're actually more, you know, kind of similar to Luke and his story. We're more motivated these days to um, to to kind of give back to the community in some ways. So rather than just running a competition, which still be, would be great and absolutely you know, allows for some cool opportunities for people, you know, uh, feel great about themselves to have accomplishments, something to shoot for. Um, we actually started to look more to create things like Wad for Dogs kind of thing, for instance, is one idea we've got where we're going to team up with a local animal rescue, um, have dogs that need to be adopted or ca and cats, et cetera, anything that they have in um, on site, you know, where people can meet them. And so everyone who participates in that event can, you know, obviously donate directly or if they wind up you know knowing somebody they can suggest hey at my gym we're gonna they're gonna be working out you get a free workout but also there's gonna be cats dogs who need you know adopted help. yeah exactly so um so things like that so we've got that in the works um a couple other kind of closer related some to animals some uh to you know uh kind of helping with different different groups in our community um, that need help both on the senior side to um, developmental disabilities things like that so it, we're kind of in the process still want to get stuff buttoned down before i make anything formal very cool but uh oh, so definitely just check out on facebook and instagram um uh you know contact us through our website especially if you know anybody that that'd be huge uh where we can kind of grease the groove a little bit and talk to different groups that need help and would be interested in partnering with us for those so very cool but yeah so that's kind of the big picture right now oh, nice. short term so well thanks guys this was a lot of fun appreciate it and luke thank you very much for coming on the show and putting for so sure. much of yourself out there i know definitely i, I got a lot out of it i got a <laughs> lot out of it and had some fun so um, hopefully other people will like it too mm -hmm. so we will see you guys next time thanks guys see ya All right, well, that wraps up another great episode. I really enjoyed getting to know Luke, and I hope that you guys did too. And I don't know about you guys, but I definitely cannot wait to hear more about Opportunity Furniture in the future. That is a really cool idea, and I really hope that things you know go well for him and things kind of just 
blossom into new and great opportunities because I, I love the idea of doing something that you love, that you're really into, but really doing it for a greater purpose and a bigger cause and giving a lot of things back to, to those who really need it. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, most of us are extremely blessed. I know that I am personally, and I think that a lot of us really are, especially if you live in this great country, you know, here in the States, because we, we, I mean, most of us have been born on third base. <laughs> I mean, all we got to do is just kind of shuffle home. I mean, some people sprint, some people get scared and stay on third. That's fine. That's their choice. But they're still going to live a great life, and we're so blessed to be able to do that, and that's awesome. And, and as always, it's a pleasure to have David here on the podcast, and, and he, he's one of the sponsors of the show. He's been a huge supporter since the beginning, and, and I love getting a chance to sit down with David. And, and I think that uh, he's got some more guests that he wants to bring on in the future, I think we're definitely going to do some of that, so that's going to be a lot of fun too. Now, if you guys are still listening, I thank you so much for all of your support and listening to the, the show. It's been, been a lot of fun. And I need your help. You know, you guys know what it is now. Like, we need to go out and get some good reviews for the show. Let's get some five-star reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. And that's going to really help the show get found by new people. Because we, I want this thing to grow. I want more people to enjoy it. I want to see kind of just where it can really go just through grassroots here. I'm not going to be selling advertising on Facebook and any of that kind of stuff. Like, I want this to just grow word of mouth so if you would do that i would greatly appreciate it and hopefully that'll bring in some new listeners well we've got some good shows coming up in the future that you guys are going to really enjoy and i'm really looking forward to as well so stay tuned and make sure you subscribe so you get all the new episodes as soon as they come out and we will see you guys next time on uncensored humanity <laughs>